Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Open to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 21. Acts 2, 1 through 21. I'll be reading in the New Living Translation. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, the sound from heaven... Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Who came running? The Jews. What noise caused them to come running? That sound from heaven like a roaring mighty wind. And I don't know exactly how loud it was, but it was loud enough for them to hear it all over the city and come running. Verse 7 says, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out of my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. How many knows we're living in that day right now? And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Amen. Amen. Verse 15 says, These people are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is about but the third hour of the day, and uh, it's much too early for that. So I wonder why the Jews that came running assumed that those spirit-filled believers were drunk. Probably because they were behaving like drunkards. And if they were drunk, as the Jews assumed then I believe the whole church ought to get drunk and stay drunk. Amen. Hallelujah. I better clarify that. <laughs> you got too excited about that. <laughs> it's not what you think. I'm talking about getting drunk on alcohol. We're not to get drunk on alcohol. I'm talking about getting drunk like they were in Acts chapter 2. Drunk with the power and the presence of God from that from that storm that came from heaven, the mighty Holy Ghost, and filled them all. And this kind of drunk doesn't require any beer, any liquor, any alcohol of any kind. No drugs, no marijuana. 
Uh, all this kind of drunk requires is the presence and the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Uh, don't you think we should be drunk with the power of God, the presence of God? See, the Jews thought those spirit-filled believers in Acts chapter 2 were drunk from alcohol. Uh, and it was because they had all the signs of a drunkard. They were behaving like drunkards. But how do, how do drunk people actually behave? Uh, and it shames me to say this, and I'd like to be able to say that I, I was never drunk, but I can't. How many knows confession is good for the soul? <laughs> Confess your faults one to another. But I have first-hand knowledge of how people behave when they're drunk. And, uh, and I, I'm, I know there's differences in behavior, but most drunks are happy. And I think that's what they've seen on the day of Pentecost. Uh, but along with my personal experience, I come from a long background of being around people that are drunk. As a matter of fact, if this was a court of law, I would be called an expert witness on drunkardness. But what are some of the characteristics or behavior of a person that's under the influence of alcohol or drugs? How does a drunk person act? Number one, they lose control of themselves. Amen. They walk differently. They talk differently. They speak in a language that's kind of hard to understand because it's all slurred and everything and it don't make sense. They get overly friendly and it seems like they just love everybody, unless you're a mean drunk, but that's the minority. And they have a smell or an odor about them of what they've been drinking. And even though these are generally distasteful things, they have an astounding resemblance to what was happening to those spirit-filled believers on the day of Pentecost. And that's why the Jews all thought that they were drunk. Let's look at some of the similarities between an alcohol-filled drunk and someone that is spirit-filled. The spirit-filled drunk loses control of their fleshly life. Number two, they come away with a new walk. Number three, they talk differently and they come away with a new language. And number four, they were friendly with, with everyone and seemed to love everybody. And they presented a sweet odor in the nostrils of God. Now let's look at an additional reference to both alcohol and being spirit-filled. How many knows out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall the word be established? Here's our, here's our second witness. Look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So he's going to be obviously talking about things that make people foolish and things that make people wise. He says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine or alcohol or drugs or anything that would influence your behavior. He says, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Isn't that what we were doing this morning, making music to the Lord in our hearts? And it was coming out of our mouths a little bit, I guess. And then he says, verse 20, and give thanks for everything. How many things? Everything. everything. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a time of thanksgiving. Like Ms. Shannon said, we, thanksgiving should be every day when it comes to the Lord. We should be thankful every day, not just once a year. But this is a season of thanksgiving. We're coming up on the actual holiday of thanksgiving that we're going to be celebrating. But you know, uh, the Lord tells us to be thankful in all things. Be thankful all the time. Amen. And I'm not saying be thankful if you had a car accident or something like that. But I'm talking about the good things that come from God. We should recognize and appreciate and be thankful for Him. We should esteem the things of God highly in our lives. Amen. But Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, wherein, uh, the King James says, wherein there is excess. And the New King James says, wherein there is dissipation, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not saying that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll act like a drunk or you'll walk around staggering or be drunk. 
He's talking about in comparison to drinking wine and being drunk with wine. He said, rather than get drunk, rather than get drunk, be filled with the Spirit of God. So in other words, uh, the believers in the book of Acts walked away with the presence and the power of God. They were full of joy. They were laughing. They were dancing. They were running. They were jumping. They were shouting. And that's why they appeared to be drunk. But they were just filled with the Spirit of God. And, uh, and I'm, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you constantly get filled with the Spirit. There's only one infilling. You know, when you're baptized into the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. And then there's a, 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 an experience subsequent to that where we get filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues like the, Acts, the believers in Acts chapter 2 here did. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, we need to be filled with the presence and power of God every day. It's a constant filling. It's not just one filling because it dissipates. It will be depleted. You will use what you were filled with and you have to be refilled again. So it's a constant everyday thing being filled with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been drunk with everything else. It's time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You know what it means to be under the influence of something. It means that you've allowed yourself to be controlled by something or somebody. You've given, you've relinquished your control. You've given your control to something, some substance, or, or some person. And God always wants you to be in control of yourself. Uh, and that's what makes drinking and drugs a sin. I mean, any, I don't think if you're a drinker and you sip a little wine, I don't think it's going to send you to hell. But I do believe it's a sin for the simple reason of what it causes people to do and, and the actual effects of it. And I'll talk about them in a minute. But anytime you yield your control or your faculties, your mind or anything else about you, anything that alters your normal natural behavior is a sin. And this include, includes legal prescription drugs as well. Because there's drugs out there that have the same effects as alcohol. It, it causes you to lose control of your faculties. It causes you to lose control of yourself. You do stupid things, say stupid things. And, and even though it's a legal drug, we don't need to be taking these kind of drugs. Amen. I realize you might have a surgery, you might have a pulled muscle, you might uh, need some pain meds. I take them too if I need them. Amen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about using it as a crutch. The doctor gives you so many to get you through something, but you continue to take them. And you continue to have these pains so that you can continue getting more. That's the kind of prescription drugs I'm talking about. I'm talking about prescription drugs and, and I'm not saying this as a blanket statement because there's exceptions to every rule, but I'm talking about these mind-controlling drugs, these mind-numbing drugs that alter your mind and, and don't do anything for the, the thing that you're going through, the illness. It just masks the symptoms. I don't think we should be taking those. Amen. Amen. Not on a permanent, long-term basis. I think if you need them for a time or, or something to get through something, some depression, something like that. But you can't stay in depression all your life and continue taking these things because you're never in full control of yourself. Amen. But that's why he tells us in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine or liquor or drugs, we can say, because that will ruin your life. It will keep you in bed in the morning. And keep you from going to work. It'll keep you from being a father, a mother, a parent. It'll keep you from all the things of life that you need to perform in. So in other words, if you're going to be influenced by something, Paul is saying, let it be the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit. But just like you would choose to use alcohol or drugs, you have to choose the Holy Spirit as well. And it's about time that we allow ourselves to be influenced with the power and the presence of God in our life rather than wine or these other things. And that's why the Apostle Paul here tells us, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the power and the presence and the influence of God in your life. Now, let me ask you something. How does one get drunk with wine? 
I mean, how do you get drunk? You got to drink it. And you have to keep drinking it. And keep drinking. One sip, two sips won't do it. Not if you're going to get drunk. You got to keep drinking it. Amen? I mean, it's, that's the only way you're going to get drunk is to get, take in enough to where it inebriates you and gets you to lose control of yourself. You can't get drunk by smelling it. You can't get drunk by spilling it on you. You can't get drunk by being near it. And you can't be influenced to it by being close to someone who is drunk. You got to drink it for yourself, right? And you have to drink it until you're full of it, until you start feeling the effects of it. You have to drink enough of it before you become drunk. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. You can't get drunk by smelling him. You can't get drunk from him spilling himself on you. You can't get drunk by coming to church and being near someone who is filled and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You have to drink your fill of him for yourself, and you have to do it because you want to. It has to be a choice that you make. Amen. And you get drunk in the Holy Ghost because you keep drinking. Not just one hit, you know. You got to keep drinking. You keep reading and hearing the word. You keep praying. You keep spending time in the presence of God. You keep coming to the church until you're so full of the power and influence of God that he begins to influence you and help you in your decisions. And he always influences us in a positive way. And unlike wine, when you're being influenced by the power and presence of God in your life, you no longer make stupid choices. You no longer say stupid things. You no longer do stupid things that you'll regret in the morning. And I can speak from personal experience. I've said stupid things, done stupid things, acted stupid, embarrassed myself. I wasn't embarrassed till the next morning. But when somebody told me how I acted and what I did, I was embarrassed for myself. That will never happen to a spirit-filled believer. God will never embarrass you. And people won't be ducking and hiding to avoid you anymore because they'll be drawn towards you. Amen. Instead of smelling like liquor, they'll smell the sweet uh, smelling aroma of God in your life. And they'll want to be near you instead of hiding from you. When Paul said, be filled with the Spirit... The word filled is a Greek word that means continual. It means, in other words, it means, it actually means being filled or filled by being filled. So in other words, it it sounds a little weird, but that's the only way you can explain it from the Greek. It's filled being filled, which means that it's more than just one filling. It's a continual filling, continual drinking. It means you have to continually drink if you want to stay full. This little Sunday morning hit that you're getting isn't enough. Amen. (laughs) You need more than a Sunday morning hit or or a Wednesday night sip. You need it every day to stay filled. And why is it so important to stay filled and to be filled and stay filled? Because when you're filled with the power and presence of God... There won't be, now remember what it means to be full. It means there's no room for anything else. It's full. You can fill a glass up with water, and once it gets to the top, it just starts overflowing. You can't put any more in it once it's full, right? So if you're full of the power and presence of God, there's not going to be any room for gossip. There's not going to be any room for anger. No room for porn, no room for alcohol or drugs, no room for jealousy or envy, no room for pride. Why? You're full. Can't take any of that stuff in. God says being drunk with wine will ruin your life, literally. And we've seen it more times than we care to. We've seen it destroy marriages and relationships. We've seen it destroy Uh, the lives of good men and women. We've seen it destroy families. We've seen uh, people lose their jobs because of alcohol. We've seen people lose their cars, lose their houses. They're out on the street uh, sleeping in gutters all because of alcohol, all because they had to be drunk with wine. And I know people that were actually killed, I say murdered, by a drunken driver. 
My brother-in-law's sister was crossing the highway in Wisconsin, going from her barns on one side of the highway back to her house, and a drunk driver hit her doing 80 miles an hour and just smeared her all over the highway. A stinking drunken driver that couldn't control himself, and he runs her over and takes her out of everybody's lives, including she had children and everything. So, you know, is drinking a sin? Probably not, but... The results of it always is. Somebody's always hurt by it. Amen? And I know some people believe that well, I can handle myself. I can, I can just quit after one glass. I can just quit after one drink. Maybe you can. But why take the chance? I, you know, I believe in zero tolerance. I got out of jury duty last, a couple years ago because of that. Because... Uh, there was a drunk driver on trial, and he was trying to say that he was in, in, innocent because he had to drive. And I, uh, so we were in voir dire, or voir dire, and they were choosing the jury. I raised my hand. I said, I believe in zero tolerance. I said, if he even took one drink and got behind that wheel, as far as I'm concerned, he's guilty. He said, this juror is excused. See ya. I left. But I didn't do it to get out of jury duty. I did it because that's the way I believe. You know, these guys that go to a bar, they know they're going to drink. Why drive? If he drive, if he gets in the car when he leaves there, it was premeditated that he was going to drive drunk because he brought his car there. And if, if, you know, if he had a designated driver, rode with somebody, and the guy he rode with didn't drink all night, have a ball. Get yourself silly drunk. Do stupid things. I don't care. But if you get behind that wheel, you're guilty. Right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but there's a lot of people, and for that matter, entire denominations that believe drinking is okay. I mean, Christian, Christ-fearing, God-fearing believers think it's not a sin to drink. Uh, a, a big denomination says, well... Drinking is not a sin. Drunkenness is. But where do you draw the line? Where is, what's, you know, where's the line between drinking and drunkenness? I better move on here. But what are some of the jobs that the Holy Ghost has? What, I mean, why should we be filled with the Spirit? Number one, like I said, he baptizes us into the body of Christ when we confess Jesus and we're born again. We're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Necessary thing. We're born again. He rebirths our spirit. And the Bible says he makes, this is just a few things, this is not exhaustive. He makes intercession for us. Isn't it nice to know we got the Holy Ghost and we got Jesus making intercession for us? Because someone could ask you to pray and you could forget to pray. But the Holy Ghost never forgets, and Jesus never forgets to pray for you. So he makes intercession for us. Romans 8, 28 says, he maketh intercession for us in groanings that cannot be uttered. Hallelujah. So he prays for us. And when he prays for us, he prays the perfect will of God for our lives. Amen. He convicts us of sin. Mm-hmm. Doesn't condemn you, he convicts you. The devil condemn you, your heart will condemn you, but the Holy Ghost convicts you. He puts a little finger on you saying, mm-mm, that's not nice. He convicts us of sin. Mm-hmm. Look at your neighbor and tell them that's not your job anymore, you're fired. And he teaches us and brings all things to our remembrance. Isn't that good? He teaches us the things of God, and then when we need them, he brings them to our remembrance. And it says that he speaks to us and guides us. So if you have a spirit-filled life, you have a spirit-guided life. The Holy Ghost is guiding your life. He's directing your steps. He's ordering your steps. How can you go wrong following the Holy Ghost? You can't. It's impossible. He's like, a, he's like a guide in a jungle, in a dark jungle. You could be in a dark jungle and you'd be lost. But if you had a guide that had a flashlight and knew where he was going, all you had to do was follow him and he'd lead you right out of that jungle. And that's kind of how the Holy Ghost is. He's a guide with a light. 
He knows where he's going. He's been everywhere. He knows where you're going. He's ordering your steps. Follow him. The only time you get lost or get in trouble is when you go off his path. And in order to follow him, you have to be in submission and you have to let him lead you. He's there to guide us. He's there to lead us. He's there to teach us and tell us what to say. How many knows you won't be saying stupid things if you're listening to him? Hallelujah. And there's a lot of things in the world that influence us, and they don't influence us for the good. I mean, uh, if you're being influenced by the things in the world more than you are the things of God, then you're, you're drinking from the wrong cup. Sunday morning hits and Wednesday morning sips or Wednesday evening sips ain't enough for you. You need to drink some more. Worldly music is a big influence. It influenced me for years. I used to love the Four Seasons, you know. And, and, uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong to listen to my kind of music because at least you could understand the words back then. But <laughs> not all music is evil, don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to listen to music, I'm going to listen to music that uh, exalts and lifts up the Lord and praises the Lord, you know. Uh, and, and there was a time there for a while when we first got saved and we were going to a spirit-filled church and we'd be sitting, standing there with our hands lifted and praising the Lord and singing songs to the Lord and it would just come into my mind. My eyes adored you. And I'm like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm praising the Lord, I'm praising the Lord. And, and it come to the place, the Supremes, you know. I used to like the Supremes and the Temptations, the Four Tops. I used to like all of them. But they would pop in my mind while I'm trying to praise the Lord. And I said, something's got to go here. Something's got to give. And so we quit listening to that type of music. And again, not all music is bad. But if it influences you to the point where you can't even praise the Lord, you need to let it go. Amen. So you can praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But worldly music is a big influence in people's lives. These games are a big influence in people's lives. I mean, it actually alters their chemical and physical and mental makeup. They do and say things that they wouldn't normally say because they're so influenced by these games and the things that are going on. And, and, and a lot of people think they're harmless. They're not harmless. And then, you know, the junk that's coming out of Hollywood is a big influence. If you don't think it's an influence, and you could probably think of some yourself, but I can remember watching The Italian Job. It was a, a movie about bank robbers over in Italy. And they had these little cars called Coopers. And they souped them suckers up and put special springs and high horsepower engines and special transmissions and tires so that they could carry this, these safes that they were stealing or whatever. And uh, just from that movie coming out, you've seen a flood of those cars come into the United States. People had to have a Cooper, a Mini Cooper. They had to have one. And, and they were on back order for a long time. You still see them around, you know, but people move on from these different fads and stuff. But that's the way Hollywood can influence somebody. You see it on the, in a movie, you got to have one. And there's a lot of people that do that. That's too much influence, and it's the wrong influence. Facebook or social media is a big influence on people. I mean, I'm not real qualified to talk about this, but I know they have algorithms. It's something to do with computers and stuff. But uh, my wife and I were looking at some easy chairs. And uh, I put in Ashley Furniture recliners. Now we get ads in, on the internet and our emails on the, the Facebook and everywhere. Why? Because that algorithm picked up on the fact that I was looking at recliners. So now everybody and their brother is going to advertise a recliner. And so these algorithms work that way. They know what you're, you're talking about, big brother. They know what you're thinking. And they try to influence that thinking to, to start going their way and buying their product and doing whatever it is that you were looking at it or showed an interest in. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have Alexa in my house. <laughs> and I'm careful 
Uh, there was a time, you know, with your computer, it's got that little eye on the front there. If you want to do a face thing with somebody, I put a piece of tape on that sucker. Because I believe sometimes they can look in on you. They got these programs where they can look in. And, and same thing with Alexa. I know for a fact Alexa listens to not only when you tell her what to do, but she's listening all the time. And I know there's algorithms out there that pick up on certain key words. Like assassinate, murder, kill, president. They pick up on them words and all of a sudden they just focus in on you. And if it, if it seems like it's a threat, they'll be knocking on your door. There's things out there that influence people. And these are the things we have to be careful of. But if you're so filled with the Spirit of God, you don't have room for these other influences. Amen? I mean, if I want to buy a chair... I want to pick it out myself. I don't want nobody trying to influence me and steer me away from what I want. I know what I want and how much I want to pay for it. I don't need no help. Amen. (laughs) But let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you want to be filled with and be under the influence of the Spirit of God or the presence and the power of God in your life? I mean, be filled to where nothing else can get in. You can't be influenced by anything but the Spirit of God. What's wrong with that? I mean, he knows we're in this world. He knows we have to uh, make a living in this world. He knows we have to live in this world, but he don't want this to become our permanent home. He, this, we're passing through here, and we got to have the attitude that this ain't our permanent home. We're just passing through. Amen? And so some of us get, like I said, just get enough God to where we just get enough to get by. That's not being filled. But the question is, uh, it's not how much of the Holy Ghost you have. The question is, how much of you does the Holy Ghost have? There's a big difference. And, but let's talk about how we get filled. Luke 6.21, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to get done a little early today. Because they're partying in the back there and they have to share. The Bible says they have to share. Luke 6, 21 says we have to be hungry, hungry for the things of God. He said if you're hungry, he'll fill you. Hungry, you got to want it. And Paul prayed for us in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, that we be filled with the fullness of God. Not just a little hit every now and then. He wants us filled with the fullness of God. And then Luke 11, 13 tells us that, We have to ask. He's not going to force himself on us. He's a perfect gentleman. He don't push himself on nobody. He don't make you do anything. You have to want to do it. And and some people are afraid of the Holy Ghost. I used to be. That's Pastor Red. We used to go to this little country church. I would hide behind the back of the pew. People dancing, running, jumping, and shouting, and singing, and raising their hands and praising the Lord. I was scared to death. I didn't want no part of the Holy Ghost. If he's going to make me act like that, I didn't want no part of him. And for months, I wouldn't, they, he'd call for, anybody need to be prayed for? Anybody need to be healed? Anybody need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I do this. And one day he called me out. And that was a day that changed my life. But I was still afraid to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it held me back for a long time. Because uh, I, I reluctantly went up there to be prayed for. But God knew I didn't want to be filled. Because I had these misconceptions of, that the Holy Ghost would make me do stupid things and embarrass me. And I was a prideful man at that time. So I didn't want to be filled. I didn't want to be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. But then I come to learn that uh, he wouldn't make me do anything. He would never embarrass me. Although I embarrassed myself a few times. And we don't mind getting embarrassed out in the world. I mean, you go to a bar, you go to the bar for one reason, to drink. And when you go to the bar to drink, you're going to do something stupid before that night's over with. But he won't make you do anything. He's a perfect gentleman. He won't force himself on you. And you have to choose to worship him. 
You have to choose to dance. You have to choose to sing. You have to choose to shout. You have to choose to raise your hands. He's not going to make you do anything. Amen. Amen. But I remember out in the world, your song, hey, that's my song. And you, you start dancing. Nobody tell, nobody tell you to do anything. You just start dancing on your own. But the Holy Ghost move on your hair and you grab the seat and hold on tighter. I ain't going to dance here. I might look foolish. How do you think you looked out there? Go to a football game. They'll run, they'll jump, they'll fall over the seats, they'll take their clothes off and paint themselves blue, but that ain't silly. That don't look silly to nobody. That's not embarrassing. But to raise your hand and shout in church, that might embarrass you. You're worshiping the wrong thing. Besides, you know, you did all those things in the world and you were guided by other forces. Get out the way. That's my song. <laughs> Touchdown. Woo. And you run from the popo. Never mind. <laughs> popo make you run, but the Holy Ghost can't. <laughs> now I'm going to show you what I come across here while I was reading this, you know. And it looked like it's out of place to me. Because I just read where it said, you know, be not drunk with wine wherein there is dissipation or uh, excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a few verses down, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. What is that doing there? This is out of place. It don't belong here. But look at Ephesians 5.22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Husbands, verse 27, read the word over your wife and wash her with the washing of water by the word, that you might present her to yourself a glorious wife. I know it doesn't say that, but it could. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Why? Because you've washed her with the word. But that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, here's another reason why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and like I said, I want you to notice that right after he tells us not to get drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit, he begins to talk about husbands and wives. Uh What a coincidence. Or is it? No, it's not a coincidence. The Holy Ghost knows exactly what he's doing. That's right. uh, he's saying that wives need to be filled with the Spirit in order to submit to their own husbands. You need to be filled with the Spirit to submit to your husband. And husbands need to be filled uh, with the Spirit in order to love their wives the way Christ loves the church, which is unconditionally. Amen. And the church doesn't serve Christ. Christ serves the church. The wife doesn't serve the husband. The husband serves the wife. That's what it's saying here. And I'm going to say something here that might be hazardous to my health, especially with Pastor Ed in the front row, but it needs to be said. But let me say this first. I'll be the first to admit that if you ever want to get a job done, give it to a woman. She'll get it done. And a woman in her natural self will take over. Don't get in her way. She'll run you over. She don't care what you think. She don't care what your idea is. She don't care how you would do it. She will run you over and she'll get the job done. I say that to their credit. 
But there are certain things that God doesn't want women to do. Well, I have to do them because my husband just won't step up to the plate. And that's because when he steps up to the plate, you're already in the batter's box. (laughs) And you keep doing that very long and pretty soon he don't even bother coming to the plate anymore. See, you don't. You don't have to be in control of everything. You need to learn how to back off and submit sometimes, and you need to be filled with the Spirit of God to do that. You can't do that in your natural self. It's impossible. And you you need to let him do his own thing. I know he's not going to do it exactly like you would do it. He probably isn't going to do it as quick as you or as well as you. And it probably won't look as good when it's done, but you got to step back and let him do it and pray for him. And eventually, he'll get it right. But if you never get him a chance, he just ain't even going to try. All right, now it's the husband's turn. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If you loved your wife like that, then maybe she would want to submit to you. She's not submitting because you think submit means that she has to bow to you. That you are the boss. You are the master. And that's not what submit means. That's not what headship is. He said, like Christ loved to church. If you want to know what headship looks like, look at the Lord's leadership. Look at how he heads up the church. He's the head and we're the body, right? Uh, You're supposed to love her unconditionally, and that means that you have to love her no matter what. Even when she's in... Even when she wants to be in control, you still have to love her. See, being the head means to love her, Cherish her, nurture her, cover her with the word, protect her, provide for her, and die for her if necessary. That's what headship is. It's not being the boss. It's not being the master. It's being the servant. That's how Christ loves the church, and he's our example of headship. And the reason you need to be filled is because sometimes she's hard to love. And she's hard to love because you don't understand her. Amen. You don't think like she thinks. She don't think like you think. And I'm not putting the men down, but they're way ahead of us in the thinking department. They use both sides of their brain. We only use one side. But you have to love her even when you don't understand her. Amen. And it takes being filled and it takes a lot of prayer. You need to be filled with the Spirit to love your wife like this. And it's not easy because sometimes she's not going to be very lovable. But there's no conditions on Christ's love for the church. He loves you in all your crazy ways. You know, there was this guy who wanted to go to Hawaii, but he didn't like to fly. So he's praying and praying, and finally the Lord says, "What, what do you need? He said, Lord, I'd like to go to Hawaii, but I don't like to fly. Could you build a bridge from here to Hawaii? And God says, do you realize what it would take to build a bridge from here to Hawaii? All the materials, all the labor, all the the engineering and everything. He said, no, 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 that's no. I'm not building no bridge. He says, ask me for something else. He said, okay. Can you help me understand my wife? And there was... Silence from heaven for time, time, and time and a half. And finally, the Lord spoke and said, you want two lanes or four? (laughs) Sometimes it's easier to build a bridge to Hawaii than it is to understand a woman. Amen. But we got to love her anyway. And you need the power and presence of God to make your marriage work. 
And any time that a marriage fails, it's because one of you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. One of you wasn't filled to overflowing. One of you didn't love your, your wife like Christ loved the church. And some of you didn't submit to your husband like you were instructed to. That's the only way a marriage can fail. If Christ is the center of your marriage and you're both filled with the Spirit, you'll never fail. Never fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wasn't always perfect like I am now. Pastor Ed had to put up with a lot of stuff. (laughs) But I always understand you, baby. God, I break the power of that confession. Forgive me for lying. But how do you stay filled? Paul said in Ephesians 5, 19 through 21, this is how you stay filled. He said, by speaking to one another, there has to be communication. And he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, not the four seasons, not the tops, not the temptations, but spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's how you stay filled with the Spirit. Number one, speaking to one another. Got to communicate. Number two, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And like I said, there was a time in my life where I had to let that music go and start making melody to the Lord in my heart. Amen. And, and I couldn't sing both. I stopped listening to it on the radio. Right. Number three, by giving thanks always to God for all things. This is something we do every day. Not just next Thursday. And some of us need to be more thankful. And it's going to take you to sit down with yourself. Yes. Quiet your mind. And think about all the good things that the Lord's done for you. Amen. Don't think about all the problems you're having and the things that are wrong because he could fix all of those if you get your priorities straight. Amen. I'll give you the illustration before. If I, if I broke my thumb and I had a cast on it or bandage and I held all my fingers up like this, you say, look, he's got a broken thumb. You would never look at the nine fingers that are working. You would look at the one that ain't working. And that's the attitude that we have to change, you know. Is there one good thing in your life? Did God do one good thing this week? Focus on that. Don't focus on the broken thumb. And, you know, number four was submitting to one another in the fear of God. Not in the fear of the husband. Not in the fear of the wife. But you submit to one another in the fear of God. And, and, and everybody needs to be submitted to someone. Yes. Everybody needs somebody that can tell you to shut up and sit down. Yes. Because if you don't have no something, somebody in your life that can tell you to shut up and sit down, you're wrong, then your life is out of control. You're doing whatever you want. That's right. But we have to have somebody that will straighten us out once in a while. Yes. I got Pastor Ed. Who you got? You need somebody in your life that you can submit to. And there's a difference between submitting and being made to do something. You know, we have, the only authority someone will have in your life is the authority that you've submitted to them. If you don't submit some authority to me, I don't have any authority to speak into your life about anything. But if you submitted to me or submitted to the Word of God, then when I speak the Word of God to you, you can submit to that. You can say, that's right, he's right. I need to change this. I need to stop this. I need to start that. But if you're the type of person that can't submit to anybody and don't have anybody speaking into your life, just like you should be speaking into somebody's life, there's somebody in your family, somebody in your uh, sphere of influence, your job or your school or whatever, that you could speak into their life some good things, some spirit-filled things. And there should be somebody that can do the same for you. Amen? That's how a family works, and this is a family. Amen? I mean, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God in order to accomplish these things. And if you're not, you're going to have a hard way to go. Amen? You know, uh, I better not say it. But anyway, I know cases of people that refuse to submit to certain things, and they went off and 
went their own way and did their own thing, and they're really having a hard time now. And uh, we get messages from them all the time, please pray for me, such and such, and this and that is going on. And it's like, you know, we pray for them the best we can, but uh, they refuse to let us speak into their life and tell them that God said the way of a transgressor is hard, and that's why you're having a hard time right now. You need to get back to God first, then you need to get back in church, and you need to sit yourself under some authority that will teach you and preach the word to you so that you can live right. That's the solution. That's the answer. But people don't want to hear that. Pray for me. I'm going through something. And I, I would love to say, do you know why you're going through it? Let me tell you. But I can't unless they ask me. And so, you know, sometimes we just need to get back under the influence of somebody. And, and hopefully it's the, the word of God that we put ourselves under the influence of. And, you know, uh, I've had people sit with me and Pastor Ed in counseling sessions and say, I know what the word of God says, but no, no, I can't help you. There is no but. The word of God, if you and your husband are having problems, the word of God is going to be the solution to those problems. And, and when we say, well, here's what God says that you need to do. One of them will pop up and say, I know what the word says, but you don't understand. No, there is no but. You don't understand. Yeah, you know, the, the word of God has to be the peacemaker. It has to be the umpire. You know, and me and Pastor Rhett, we don't always agree. We have arguments just like anybody else, but we've already resolved a long time ago that the word of God will solve all our arguments. And when uh, we get into a disagreement or something, we say, well, what's the word say? Boom. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But we always go by what the word says. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet and pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you so much for the word of God. Hallelujah. The word of God is so powerful, so changing in our lives that, God, we just want to be able to submit to it every time we hear it, even when we don't agree with it, Lord. Your word should be the final say in our life. It should be the thing that settles all of our disputes, all of our disagreements, all of our arguments, all of our questions, Lord. Every question that we have, the answer is in the word of God. Just help us to submit to it. Help us to understand it and yield to it, Lord. That's what we need is a, a, a spirit-yielded life. We need to yield to the spirit of God in every situation. And we need to stay filled with the spirit of God by reading by hearing the word, by coming to church, by fellowshipping, through our relationships, Lord. Everything that we do needs to be guided by the Holy Spirit in our life. So we thank you and we praise you for the word that's come forth. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Does anybody need prayer? We'd be happy to pray with you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.